I think it was Pope John Paul II who was fond of asking people uh, when he met them, what is your mission in life? What is your mission in life? I don't, rem I don't know how people answered. But I, I repeatedly and regularly talk about to people what is your purpose in life. And of course, um, the, it's, it's, it's more common, like I would say almost universal, that people respond with, I, I, I don't know. I, um, I'm constantly trying to ask, why do you have me here, God? What is your purpose for me? It's an interesting question because at the very heart of what you are here to answer is that question. What are you here for? What's the point of your life. And today, what I would like to steer you to think about is based on the first reading and with a confirmation of it in the Gospel of the Good Samaritan. But I'd like you to listen closely to the first reading because Moses is talking to the people. And Moses, this is Moses speaking. He says, If only you would heed the voice of the Lord, your God, and keep his commandments and statutes that are written in the book of the law, when you return to the Lord, your God, with all your heart, and with all your soul. Now Moses finishes talking there. And then, in quotes, because it switches to God talking. Now keep in mind what I just asked you. What is the purpose of your life? What's the mission of your life? And if you're like many of us, you may get a question mark in your head. I don't know. But listen to as if God were speaking directly to you right now. Because this is God speaking in this reading. But take this, you know how people tell you don't take this personally? Well, I'm telling you, take this personally. Okay, take this personally. Here goes. For this command that I enjoin you today is not mysterious and remote from you. It is not up in the sky that you should say, who will go up in the sky to get it for us and tell us of it that we may carry it out? Nor is it across the sea that you should say, who will cross the sea 
and get it for us and tell us of it that we may carry it out. No. It is something very near to you. Already in your mouth. Already in your heart. You have only to carry it out. Now apply that to your purpose in life. As you're asking yourself. I, I say this because my mom, I, I think of my mom. Mom, you always used to say, I wish I could just go up to God and say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? Because she was constantly struggling with, how should I live? What do you want me to do? Who will go up to the sky and get it for me? Who will go up to the sky and, or, or, or across the sea and, and tell me what, what God wants? And God answers. It is something near to you, already in your mouth and already in your hearts. You have only to carry it out. Now, what are we dealing with here? I want you to notice what the gospel, the, the story in the gospel, let me put this away. The story in the gospel is talking about two religious figures, a priest and the Levite. It's a priest um, and the Levite, two people who are supposed to be very religious. Now, what do they, what do they, should they be doing? Well, when they come across this guy that has been beaten up, what do they pay attention to? Now, the priest and the Levite had all kinds of, quote, rules from the Old Testament about being unclean if you touched a dead body, you became ritually impure. Now the man that is, was beaten up, they don't know if he was dead, but it is, it is one of the commandments, uh, one of the most important duties even of his Israelite, is to bury the dead. But this man's not dead. But I, I want you to, to think, what is it that the Levite and the priest paid attention to? What is it that they paid attention to? Notice that they did not pay attention to the man right in front of their noses. They did not pay attention to the situation of the person in front of them. They immediately escaped to, well, in the law, what should I do here? What should I, should I, am I going to be unclean? And in both of their cases, they went across the street because 
They didn't want to be ritually impure. Now, compare that to what God says in the first reading. That what I'm telling you to do is smack in front of your nose. So what's in smack in front of these guys' nose? The sick, the, the, the hurt man. He's the one that's in front of their nose. All they have to do is look at it. But what they're doing is they're spending their time saying, ah, what, is she, what should I do here? What should I do here? I want you to notice the similarity when we ask the question, what sh what's the purpose of my life? Where, God, tell me the purpose of my life. And what happens? You miss what's smack in front of your nose. Why? Because what God is asking you to do is not high in the sky that you may have to go and get it. It's not across the sea so that you could ask, who shall go and tell me the purpose of my life from across the sea? No. The purpose of your life is in front of your nose. What is the purpose of your life? What was the purpose of the life of the, of the, of the priest and the Levite at that moment? Not that they should stare at the law and try to figure out how to apply it. It was right in front of them. They encountered a man who needed help. And the purpose of their lives at that moment was that they should help that man. That what was in front of their nose. Now, notice the Samaritan. Now, for just as background, the Samaritans were members of the ten tribes that were lost because of the invasion. They were in the north of Israel. And they were lost because of the invasions of the Assyrians. They had been conquered. And um, what was left was Judea and, I can't remember the other tribe, but it was only 10, the 10 of them were lost. There were 12 tribes. And what happens was that across time, the Assyrians and the conquered Jews began to intermarry. And so the people in the southern kingdom of Judea felt that those members of those tribes, the ten lost tribes of Israel, they were already lost. Why? Because they had intermarried for, with the Assyrians, with the pagans. And so they were half-breeds. They were considered not true Israelites. And so there was a lot of tension because these people were considered outsiders anymore. They were not anymore the people of God. They, the Jews in that area had built their own temple and they were worshiping God, but all the Judeans 
felt that the, te the real temple was in Jerusalem. And there was a tense, constant tension between them. It would be somewhat kin to, you know, what's going on today in terms of racial tensions, in, ten in terms of different tensions of immigrants and non-immigrants, all kinds of stuff like that, Democrats and Republicans, and with tension all the time. And this Samaritan could have taken refuge in the fact that, oh, that is a Judean. I, they're not part of my neighbor. The person who could have said, this is not my neighbor, was the Samaritan, because it was actually a, per, a member of the Judeans. And by the way, whenever in the gospel you hear the word, the Jews this, the Jews that, what is supposed to be there is the Judeans, the members of the tribe of Judah. It's not the Jews, the Judeans. But notice then what the Samaritan does. The Samaritan does not pay attention to what's up here, all the conflicts, the politics, and all of this. The Samaritan, who's supposed to be the one who doesn't know about God because they worship in a different place, he's the one that notices what's in front of his nose. So what's the purpose of his life? To take care of this person that's right in front of his nose. Now, what I'm asking of us is this. When we ask, what is the purpose of our lives? I think <coughs> many of us, what we do is we go, I don't know. I, I, I need God to tell me. What is it? What is it? Like my mom used to do. But, but what God is saying to you in the first reading is, look in front of you. Look in front of you. Who is the person in front of you that needs to be loved? Don't go looking for, oh, I have to go to the Middle East and I have to be a missionary and I have to do this and I have to... Stop losing yourself in the grand plans of if I only could do this. Because a lot of the times what you're doing is actually just excusing yourself in fantasy. It's kind of like, you know, periodically I, when I hear people say, uh, oh, Father, if I win the lottery, I'm going to give it to the church. Well, that's nice, but are you giving on a regular basis? Are you doing to help not with the lottery, which you may win, but with this right now? It's the same thing with what is the purpose of your life? You know what the purpose of your life is? To do what's in front of your nose with as much love as you can muster. That's the purpose of your life. God is not expecting you to do grandiose things to fulfill a purpose which you have idealized in front of you, which someday, if I could win the heavenly lottery, 
and I could just do this and do this. No, God doesn't care about that. What's in front of your nose? Where's your child? Does your child need love? Does your next door neighbor need a visit? Do you the the situation that you're encountering? Can you encounter that situation with as much love as possibly you can? You know what always amazes me? This is just something that I think about regularly. Do you know who the patroness, the saint who is the patron of the foreign missions is? You know who the patron saint of the foreign missions are? The patron saint of the foreign missions is Saint Teresa of the Little Flower. Don't you find that a little bit weird? If you don't know, Saint Teresa, the little flower, was a little nun who never got past 22 or 23 years old, who entered the convent, I think, when she was 16 or 17. She never left the convent, and she is chosen to be the patroness of the missions, the foreign missions. Don't you think the church made a mistake there? Why didn't they choose a foreign missionary, for God's sake? Somebody who went off to the foreign missions to give their lives to Christ. Instead, they chose this little nun who never left her convent. You know why? Because Teresa of Lisieux, the little flower, spent her life doing what she called the little way. And you know what the little way was? Doing what was in front of her nose with as much love as she could possibly muster. So for example, she would be had to do with the cleaning of the floors. They didn't have swiffers Swiffer stuff that to do in, in those days. Okay? They would do it on their hands and knees, scrubbing the floors. Well, Teresa describes rubbing the floors, but in every single tile that she did, she would pray the, the, her, a, a prayer. I think it was the Our Father, a prayer for the foreign missions. Her chief intention was the foreign missions as she did what God put in front of her nose that moment she did it for the missions with as much love as she could muster. That was the purpose of her life. Now you might say, geez, you know, I was hoping that my purpose of my life would be a little more grandiose, that I could feel better about that. Well, you're not supposed to feel good about it. That's not your job. Your job is to do what Jesus tells you to do with as much love as you can. And the question is, what is Jesus telling me to do? What's in front of your nose? That's what Jesus is telling you to do. It's, I always, when I, I remember when I was ordained to the priesthood, um, I was when when we were being ordained, 
they were doing individual ordinations in different parishes, and I was ordained here in St. Paul's Catholic Church in Nassau. And I had to choose a gospel. And I remember the gospel that I chose, and I still would choose it again. The gospel that I chose was Jesus preaching to the crowds before he is with his disciples, and he is, and in the background of him, there is Peter uh, mending his nets and putting aside, and it's in the morning, and he's preaching. And the apostles, Peter, James, and John, had been all night fishing. And they're listening to Jesus, and Jesus is preaching to all these crowds. And then Jesus, without being invited, as he often does, gets into Peter's boat. And he says to Peter, put out for a catch. Now, I, I, I think Peter's, Peter's uh, response is priceless. He says, Lord, we have been at it all night long. We've been fishing all night long, and we have caught nothing. Stop right there, because he goes on. He stops right there. What is Jesus, what is Peter saying to Jesus? Basically, if I could paraphrase it, he is saying, uh, look, Jesus, you're a carpenter. You give me advice on carpentry, I'll take it, because you're a professional at it. What you're telling me, giving me, telling me to do something about fishing, I know about fishing. You don't. I'm telling you, ain't no fish out there. We've been at it all night. Peter could have gone on and said, look, we're all tired. We've been at it. We've just cleaned the nets. I just hung them up. And what are you telling me to do? You're telling me to get, to get the nets dirty? My men are tired. All kinds of excuses he could have made. Do you remember what Peter says next? Because he doesn't say that. Peter says, we've been hard at it all night. Ain't no fish out there. But then he says, but if you say so, I will put out for a catch. Now, does Peter have any reasonable hope of catching fish? No. Doesn't know Jesus yet. He thinks this is one crazy man and he doesn't want the crowd getting upset and Jesus must be, have some kind of authority in his voice. So he doesn't want to counteract a holy man. So he says, okay, but if you say so, I'll put out for a catch. Well, Peter has no reasonable hope of catch. Why is he doing it? because Jesus told him to do it. His job is not to worry about what's going to be, what he's going to catch or not. The only reason he's doing it is because Jesus told him to do it. That's the reason I picked it. Because I have known, and this is something that I have known, I've been a priest now for 45 years, and I know that my job is not 
to say, well, was that a success? Did this work out? That's not my job. My job is the best that I can at every single moment to do what's in front of my nose. Should I, don't I wish that I could become a great saint knowing, known for, oh, Father Mario, he was a great preacher, he was, he did all this for the, that's not my job. My job is to shut my mouth, well, I hardly ever do that, but my job is to do what's in front of my nose. And right now, to do what's in front of my nose is to say the four o'clock mass and preach the best homily that I can. That's my purpose in life right now. And why am I doing it? Because I promised Jesus and because he said so. Is this homily going to touch anybody here? I have no idea. That's not my job. My job is to preach it and to celebrate the mass the best that I can. How this turns out, how this very homily turns out, I have no idea. My job is to do it. That's the purpose of my life. What's the purpose of my life after Mass? What's next? I have a dinner engagement tonight with people. My job is to be as cordial and as gospel-living as I can during that conversation. When I get home, what's the purpose of my life? To take the dogs out so they can do their business. And I, and I to treat them with as much love as I can, those little dogs. Every moment of your life is not about trying to do something great that you're waiting for God to come and tell you. It's about doing what's in front of your nose and do it with as much love as you possibly can. That's the purpose of your life. Is it not great enough for you? So what? Do you think Teresa of Lisieux ever dreamed that she would influence as many people as she did when all that she has, she had no idea what God would do with her praying for the missions as she washed the floors. Because it wasn't her business. God chose to do great things when she had no idea. She just did her job. And so, what's, what's the purpose of your life? It's in front of your nose. Mother Teresa used to say to people, stop coming over to India because you want to do great things for God in India. Stay home. Look at your neighbor. Look at the people who need love right around you. That's the purpose of your life. She was made fun of when she started picking up sick people in India because that's where she was. And people would say to her, oh, why are you doing? There's so many sick people and dying people all over the streets of Mumbai. You're never going to influence anybody. It's too big of a job. What's the point? Mother Teresa would say, well, it makes a difference to that man that I'm about to pick up that was in front of her nose. It makes a difference to him. And look what God was able to do 
when she did it one person at a time. So I leave you with that. I leave you with the, 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 the good Samaritan who just didn't know he was doing anything special. He just saw a guy who needed help. And the doctor of the law, I find this very interesting, the doctor of the law who said, who is my neighbor? Notice what he was expecting. Uh, not him, not her, yes, her, her, him, not, not her. He was expecting the answer to be somebody else. And what Jesus turns out, turns to him and says, you are the neighbor. Don't look for the neighbor out uh, around other people. You are the neighbor when you do what's in front of your nose and do it with as much love. And that's why he ends and says, who was neighbor to that guy? And the lawyer says, the one who treated him with mercy. And Jesus just very simply says, go and do likewise. You are the neighbor. God is asking you to fulfill the purpose of your life. It's not something in heaven or across the sea. It's not the greatness that you imagine. The purpose of your life is to do what's in front of your nose and to, and, and to do it with as much love. Let God worry about the big picture. You do what's in front of you. And you do it with love. It's God's business, not yours, to worry about the big picture.